Hallelujah. Well, today uh, I'm going to share, um, I just feel like we need to talk about God's faithfulness today. Everybody say faithfulness. And uh, there's a lot of things, excuse me, but I got to type this word in here, but I want to read faithful to you. And I didn't know it would disappear between first and second service, but it's gone. But um, God's faithfulness belongs to all of us uh, because he is faithful. The Bible says that even when we are faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. It's a part of who he is. He's faithful. He's a faithful God. And uh, it means having or showing true and constant support or loyalty, uh, deserving trust, keeping your promises, and doing what you're supposed to do, um, steadfast in affection or allegiance, loyal, firm in adherence to promises or in observance of duty, uh, true to the facts. You know, the word of God is truth. And the truth will make you free if you believe it. And it says it's being true to facts, to standard, or to an original. And last week, my husband preached on America, return to your first love. Uh, because in our nation, uh, it's not about a political party. It's, it's not about what man can do, but it's what God can do. And uh, in order for God to do what God's going to do, his people have to return to their first love. Everybody say love. And so I felt this Sunday to share on church. Return to your first love. And uh, I experienced love when I was young and um, a new Christian. But I experienced such a greater love after I had made a lot of mistakes in my life. I got born again. And uh, I, I just knew something changed in my life. I didn't know just about Jesus, but I felt a love by him that I had never really experienced before. And acceptance. Everybody say acceptance. And I felt forgiveness that I had never felt before in my life. And uh, as God began to speak to my, to my heart, I felt like he showed me that he was going to pour his love in me to such a degree that all of the hurt, all of the things that upset me, all the things I didn't understand, the things I couldn't do better, that, that his love would overcome those. And that all of the hurts and pains would be released because there wouldn't be room for love and all that hurt and anger and being upset and fearful. You experience all those kind of things. And there's really only one thing that can take care of that, and that's the love of God. And uh, so I experienced that in my life. And as I grew in the Word of God, um, I became, I would say, closer to Jesus than to anybody else in my life. Now, I had three children. I lived by myself with my three kids. And um, how many of you know children in fifth, third, and first grade? They're not, they don't have a whole lot of input that increases your life, you know, I mean, as far as edifying and exhorting and building you up. And so uh, I was doing a lot of that for them, but I, but, you know, you're not receiving that at that time in their life as much. And so they they bring joy, but they're not there in the middle of the night when you need somebody to really hold your hand and say, it's going to be all right. Everybody say, it's going to be all right. <laughs> it's going to be all right because God loves you this morning. That's why it's going to be all right. Not because, not because you're married, not because you're single, not because you're widowed. Nothing of those statuses make any difference. It's because of Jesus. That's why we're okay today, because of what he did on Calvary. And uh, so as I walked in my walk with God, I became increasingly aware of how much he loved me. And it brought a security to my life. I didn't 
fear didn't have a stronghold in my life anymore because the love overcame the fear, just like the Word of God says, perfect love cast out all fear in 1 John chapter 4. And so um, when you're aware of something and you're used to it, how many of you know then you know when it's not there? You know, if you've never experienced it, you're not necessarily aware, but if you've experienced it and then it's not there, you, you feel like something's not right. And I found in my walk with God, God always loves me. So if there's an issue, it's usually with me, not with God. And uh, along about 1981, 82, when my husband had been married about a year, we were in Tulsa, and I was uh, hired at Victory Christian Center in Tulsa. Uh, that was the first church that I had ever actually worked as a, an employee in. And um, I was working in that church, and about, oh, four or five months into my position there, and I was uh, called the office manager. So I was over several people, and um, it was all new to me. I'd never worked in a Christian environment. And a uh, Christian environment doesn't mean everything's perfect. I just want to say that because there are no perfect people. So, you know, we all, all have to learn to adjust no matter what environment we're in. But um, it was new to me, and I wanted to do a good job. And I was working really hard trying to please everybody, make everybody happy, everybody, you know, like what me and like what I did. And uh, a lady that was there uh, named Charlotte Carroll, she was just a wonderful woman. She's in heaven now. She came up to me one day, and she said, well, I was praying last night, and I felt like God told me that your light's going out. I thought, my light's going out. And, you know, instantly, I, I remembered in the Word of God about your lamp can go out, that that light is how much of Jesus is in you. So what she was saying to me was, I was making some kind of a wrong choice somewhere, but I didn't know what had happened. And in Scripture, in Revelations 2, um, in the book of Revelations, the word of God here is a word to seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. Uh, and actually, uh, the angel, it says to the angel of the church of, but really um, a lot of people believe that's the pastor of the church. But it talks about the church of Ephesus, and it, it was a loveless church. Everybody say loveless. And uh, when we started this church, which was 28 years ago today, on July 9th, uh, 1989, it was a Sunday, just like this. We started in the lower level of a bank, and um, we've come a long way in those years. We've had ups. We've had downs, ups, downs, different things happen, but we're still here. Amen. Say we're still standing. And so, you know, uh, faithfulness has been, I believe, the foundation of us remaining who we are in Christ in the vision of this church. Everybody say faithfulness. And uh, when John was singing that faithful you have been and faithful you will be, there's no question that God will remain faithful no matter what we're doing or how much we miss it. He is there. You know, we may be on a, a road that doesn't seem like he's there, but the Bible says he will never leave us or forsake us. And the word of God is truth. So, you know, faithfulness is uh, not a question on God's part, but it can be on our part. And circumstances and situations wearing on our life sometimes, and especially things we don't understand. And how many of you have ever had somebody do something you thought, why did they do that? Or why do they feel that way about me? Uh, I want to tell you, pastors do not get always a lot of 
uh, fan mail. Usually, <laughs> it, you, you know, and, and I'm sure you don't either. How many of you in your life just every day get several emails or several texts that say, you are so wonderful, I can hardly stand it, you're so nice. Do you get those? But do you get this? What was wrong with you yesterday? You know, we get the ones that have to do with where we're not measuring up, but we don't get the ones that, you know, are edifying, exhorting, and building us up. But the Lord does that. The Holy Spirit in us wants to do that. And so in that time I was alone, I got stronger in all of my security and all of my feeling like I was okay was coming from the Spirit of God and not the people around me. But in this new situation, I was always trying to perform. Everybody say perform. And, and try to be who, I, who they wanted me to be instead of who I needed to be. And what happened was I got so busy in the, the performing part of doing the right thing each day and make sure things are done and get this done and get that done that I stopped loving God more than I loved serving God. Could I say that again? Loving God more than I loved people liking me. Loving God above all things. And you know, the two commandments he gave us are to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love others as you love yourself. So the, the loving God was the number one thing. And so let me read this to you. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patient, persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Sounds really good so far. I mean, like, you know, this is really uh, edification of who they've been. And then it says, nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Now, these seven letters were written to exhort these churches to be who God had called them to be. All of them were failing in an area except one, the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Love, the love-filled church, the faithful church, uh, all but that one, were having places in their church where they were failing to fulfill what God had called them to fulfill in that particular church. And so it says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And then it says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Uh, in my life, the mistakes that I'd made, the things that had happened in my life that put me in a position of um, decrease instead of increase, if you just want to say it that way, of blessing, were because I wanted man's approval. I counted on what man could do for me. And here in this position, excuse me, I was beginning to uh, try to gain the approval of the people more than serve the Lord. And so my extra time was in trying to do things for people. And I was not neglecting God, but the amount of attention that I gave to the Lord, loving him, reading his word, uh, standing in his presence. Well, I didn't have as much time for that. And so in my life, excuse me, I was, uh, my light was going out. It didn't mean I was doing bad things. 
It was just that everything that made me who I was that put me in that position, that's why pastor put me in that position, was now was waning. And then you, what you begin to do if you're not loving Jesus like that is you begin to see people's faults instead of being able to see what God sees in their life. Are you getting this today? The love of God causes people to not have to be told, you need to do this, this, and this. When you love God, you want to do the right thing. When you love God, uh, you, you want to read his word. You want to know more about him. You want to spend time with him. You want to worship him. And um, so, you know, in that day, I, I took notice of that, and I did repent. And, and I began to get my priorities right again and spend that time that I had spent before and really seeking the Lord and not considering what man could do to me, but knowing what God would do for me if I was obedient and did what he asked me to do. So uh, I was praying about this message for the church for today because um, I do believe, you know, we come each year and we look at where we've been, where we're going. And uh, not that I, I always uh, see things that I want to see, but I always know the love of God. And I always want to be loving God in the midst of whatever I see. And so uh, I felt like when the Lord gave me this message, return to your first love, uh, I had been saying to the Lord, and uh, I didn't, well, I guess I was complaining because he said I was. <laughs> Don't you love God when he tells you what you're doing? And so I had just said, Lord, you know, I, I have been playing the piano uh, for, or I used to play the organ, the big pipe organs and things in the Methodist church and so forth. I've been playing for 50 years now. And uh, don't you think somebody else should be doing this? Because, you know, I'm telling my, I, I think, do you see this left leg? It's been pedaling for a long time on that keyboard, you know. Now it's jumping back there on that pedal, you know, because the music's much more upbeat than it used to be when I played the organ in the Methodist church. In fact, you can't even play this music very well on a pipe organ. But, uh, you know, I was saying these things, and he said, why don't you stop saying playing the piano and start saying worshiping me? Because that's what you used to do. I thought, ooh. I think I've left my first love. Because the very first love I had for the Lord was worship. Absolutely worship. I can remember when I play the organ, and I was like 16 and 17 in the, Methodist, in the Methodist church, I'd get a little jazzy. We, play, we sang the hymns faster than any church in town. And those older people, they were, I mean, they were trying to get the words out. But, you know, I, and then I would just get such a fire in, in my belly, so to speak. I mean, I could feel it, but I didn't know what it was at that time. But once I got saved, once I got filled with the Holy Ghost, then that worship, it just became my life, everything that I did. But see, you know, sometimes when we're doing things, we think, well, I've already done that. Or, you know, I've got all these other things to do. How, how many of you have ever thought, but i got all these other things to do, God? How can I do that? Uh, then what happens is we really stop loving God. We don't say that. But our love for God begins to wane. And all these things that are called serving God, even, or doing things that help other people, they begin to cause the love that you have for him to begin to dwindle. And uh, so, you know, I, I was corrected by the Lord in that. And I thought, well, if we're going to run at full steam, I'm going to have to get back to 
worshiping God instead of playing this piano. Hallelujah. And so uh, once I get started, I'm worshiping. But when I'm thinking about it, when somebody says, you got to learn this song, and uh, I look at the music and I say, well, that's going to be a few weeks before we play that one because that's a hard one. But I can, I can do it if I love God and say, help me. Are you hearing me today? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and then experience that love. So uh, I was thinking, uh, and I've been reading through the Bible. Of course, I got in, I w- I've read through Timothy already. But um, in 1 Timothy, Paul is saying to Timothy, now, Timothy, you are assigned to pastor the church at Ephesus. Now, the church at Ephesus was a new church, but they were a very, they had some intimidating people in that church. Because when Paul uh, wrote to Timothy, it says in the commentary that I have here that uh, he, was, he was trying to encourage him because he knew he was going to have to stand on the vision that God had given him and serve God because he loved him and he loved the people because he loved God. How many of you know sometimes you just have to love people because God loves people? And so he was encouraging him. And at 1 Timothy, if you'll put that scripture up for me, I want to look at this other. But 1 Timothy 1.18 says, uh, this was Paul's words to him. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. And then he says, having faith and good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. Everybody say, I'm not going to be shipwrecked. You know, that's something that that we have to resist the enemy's desire to shipwreck what God has planned for us. And when we love God, we can remain faithful. That's what I felt God was saying to me. The foundation of, of your staying in it, in the vision that God has given you, the thing that God's told you to do, is not going to be done just because it's the right thing to do. How many of you have known the right thing to do but didn't want to do it? But when you love God, you can remain faithful to what God said. He's faithful. He'll be faithful to you in it. But that helps you remain faithful in that situation. So he's speaking to Timothy. You know, you're going to have to fight in this position, Timothy, because this church that I'm giving you, uh, they're an intimidating church. And that's what he says. This this was a training manual. The first, uh, first book of Timothy... There's 1 Timothy 1 and 2. The first book was written to Paul or to Timothy as a new pastor in that church. And he said to him, you're going to have to use this book as a training manual. One, two, three, four, and five chapters of that book for young Timothy. And he sent it to him. He wasn't even there with him as he attempted to pastor an intimidating church. And he gave him five charges. And he said, wage the good warfare. Conduct yourself worthy of the God's house. Do not neglect your gift. Observe these things without prejudice and guard what was committed to you. In other words, remain faithful in what I've given you to do. Amen? And uh, in, in some of you read the second book of Timothy. In that book, in the very first chapter, now Timothy's still the pastor of this church. And uh, the, one of the first things Paul says to him in the second book or epistle that he wrote him, he said, You do not have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I know you have faith because your grandma had faith, your mother had faith, and that same faith is in you. So he's beginning to say to him, you're going to have to stay faithful in this 
Timothy. And then he goes on in Second Timothy 3 and says, there are going to be perilous times. How many of you have been through some perilous times trying to stay faithful to what God has asked you to do? You know, I think of this so much in marriage, in situations today that I see people in. Uh, it seems we've developed a mentality of, well, we'll just get out of it. You know, we can get out of this mess. Uh, if it's a job, uh, I don't like these people I work for. You know, everybody wants to have their own business today so that they don't have to report to anybody who's going to tell them, you, you're going to have to do this. Everybody say, we got to stay faithful. Now, there's nothing wrong with having your own business, but only if God told you to, not because you don't want to be serving someone and remain faithful in that position. What keeps you there? You're loving God. Even the word of God says to us, do your job as unto the Lord, knowing that your reward will come from the Lord. And so all I believe today in the world, America needs to see a church that has returned to her first love. And when we return to our first love, then we become faithful to the things that God's asked us to do. And instead of wanting to let go and I know there are hard places for people. There are things that happen to people that just come out of left field, so to speak, that knock them off their feet. But God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. And in that place, if they will turn to him and remain faithful to God, he will pull them up out of that place. But if they're just listening to what people say or, you know, receiving the circumstances, letting go of the faith that they have in God, then they will begin to sink. Uh, I felt like God said, don't go down desertion road. Everybody say desertion road. You know, there's a road that people get on and they just desert in the midst of those hard places. And so when he said that to Timothy, he said, you'll have to continue. Everybody say continue. Continue in the things that you have learned. You can read it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And then he concludes with that fight, uh, with that whole chapter. And it was the last book Paul ever wrote. He said, I have fought the good fight. The same thing he had told Timothy to do, he had done. And he said, I have fought the good fight. And then he said, but I, but I will be rescued. I will be rewarded for all these things that I have walked through. You know, we, we need to remain faithful because God is faithful. But the good news is that scripture that says, when you are not faithful, when you are faithless, I will remain faithful to you. Everybody say, God is merciful. So today, you know, if there's an area in your life where you think, oh, I might not have remained faithful in that area, God will remain faithful. But what did he say about return to your first love? He said, repent. Everybody say, repent. That's, that's all we have to do with God is say, God, I'm sorry, help me, and start again. And he will be right there to help us because he's faithful. And uh, as I was finishing this message, um, I was thinking of where it says in Matthew 25, 21, uh, well done, thou good and servant. It doesn't, it's faithful. It's because, you know, the talents were given to three different people. And, of course, you know, many of you know that story. But one man invested the talents, and, and it was doubled. And, and b both of the first two men, they invested their talents, and they, they prospered. But the last person held their talent and didn't use it. And so, you know, when God gives us anything, we're to remain faithful 
everybody say faithful, to that situation. In the day that we're living in, um, I believe that that thing we say is true, that, that confession we make. My best days are right in front of me. But our best days come when we have remained faithful in the times that were not the best days. And uh, I don't know about you and your situation, but there have been many times I've wanted to quit. You probably haven't felt that way in situations in your life, but uh, there have been many times I've thought, God, uh, I don't think I can do this anymore. And, and when things don't go the way that, that we think they should, I had somebody say to me, that song we sing, Trust in You, uh, it says, when you don't move the mountains, I want to see moved. And, and, and when you don't you know, do these things, and uh, I will trust, I will trust in you. I'll remain faithful in that situation. And uh, somebody said, well, someone didn't like that song because God always, you know, the word says he'll move the mountains. I want to tell you, I've been in ministry for about a uh, long time. And uh, there are some mountains that still haven't moved for me. Amen. And in those situations, that's when faithfulness comes into play. And I want to encourage you today, if you're about to say, this doesn't work, stay faithful. Because we run into opportunities where it's going to be the fact that we're faithful that's going to get us through. And uh, I was listening to a testimony uh, by Jerry Seville. I don't know if, it, if very many of you know him. He's a, a minister that's ministered for probably almost 50 years. And um, two years ago, he had open heart surgery. Uh, didn't know anything was wrong with himself. Didn't, didn't have any idea. Um, said he had traveled all over the world and done that, you know, right up to when they found this blocked main artery in his heart, blocked 95 to nine to 100%. I mean, it would have been the end of the situation. I know, I know what that is because Pastor Bill's main artery was blocked 95%. And we had no idea. Everybody say faithfulness. <laughs> the faithfulness of God rescued Jerry Seville from that situation. And they caught it in time, and they did the open-heart surgery, and he's, he was fine. Except they said he had a place right here in his neck where there was some plaque buildup, and they wanted to go in and take care of that too because that's what supplies the blood to his brain. And so they didn't want to do it immediately, and they said they would wait a year. So this past September, they operated on his neck, and they told him, this will be in and out. You'll be in one day, out the next uh, it's a very simple procedure. We do it, but it will it will improve the blood flow to your brain, and it will um, help any further thing that could happen from that plaque buildup uh, from happening in your life. So we want to take care of it. You will live, uh, medically speaking, probably a good 20 years and be healthy between your heart surgery and having this done. He said, I was getting ready to turn 70. I thought, that's 90. I'll go to 90, and if I decide I want to live longer, I'll just say I'm going further. And so if you know him, he's very funny sometimes when he speaks. But he encountered this uh, situation with faith. Everybody say with faith. And felt, you know, he had come through the heart surgery, so he went into the surgery. And I, and I want you to listen to his testimony. We're going to play it right now. Have this surgery. Uh, leave the hospital the next day. And... Um, so that's what I had my mind set on. I went in, uh, not having any concern. Uh, the doctor's one of the, one of the finest. And um, so I totally expected to have the surgery and, and come out the next day. 
And during the surgery, uh, of course, I didn't know this till three days later. I had a stroke. And um, I lost complete use of my left arm, uh, right arm. Uh, and, the, and the worst thing about all this was I had total loss of memory. I didn't know my family. When Carolyn would walk in, they'd say I would smile, but I didn't know who she was. And I didn't know my children. And uh, other people that would come, um, that's a horrible thing. And to me, I mean, it's one thing to not know my wife and not know my children. And, uh, but on top of all that, I couldn't remember one scripture after studying the Bible and preaching the Word of God for 47 years. I lost all memory. Now, I stopped it there because it's, it's quite long between here and where I want to show you. But I'll just give you a brief synopsis of what he said. He, um, he, he could not get his memory. He, he would try. He said, I commanded my mind to begin to work, and I commanded my arm to work because he, he knew that the word of God was true, but he couldn't get his arm, his mind, nothing was working. And so uh, the doctors had said, if he shows this much improvement, he can go home. He said, well, I made up my mind. Whatever that is, I'm showing it tomorrow. Because he said, I wanted to go home. And he said, I began to walk the halls. And he said, I would just, I spoke to myself, remember, you know, and I would say, you have to remember mind and all this. And so um, they let him out. The next day he did get to where they felt he could go home. But then they would put a piece of clay in front of him. And he couldn't even, with pennies down in the clay and supposed to pull the pennies out, he couldn't, he couldn't make them come out of the clay. His hand wouldn't work. And he kept doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, they put pictures in front. He couldn't remember what, the, what it was, like a leaf or a, you know, a bird. or he, he, he couldn't identify it. And, uh, and so he says, you'll, you'll hear this because I couldn't get this clip real clear, but he said, I'm not going to end like this. He said, I begin to say, I will not end like this. Everybody say, I will not end without fulfilling the will of God for my life. I will remain faithful. And that's what he says ultimately. I believe my faithfulness over the years to put the word of God in my heart. Not, he didn't talk about going to the nations or anything. He said to hide the word of God in my heart, to speak the word of God, to, to be close to God, to have a relationship. He said, I believe the faithfulness I had, God's faithfulness and my faithfulness, I got the breakthrough, and now you can hear what happened. Go ahead. I told Rachel, take me out to my shop. And I went out to my classic car and motorcycle shop, and I walked in there and stood next to that Indian motorcycle. And I couldn't remember how to start it. Now, the devil has gone too far. <laughs> go, to, go to messing with my memory of how to start a motorcycle. He's gone too far. I stood there and I looked at that thing. I could not remember one thing about starting that motorcycle. I said, I am not leaving this building until I start this motorcycle. And I just stood there. And, I, and here's the one thing that 
I didn't forget how to do pray in tongues. That whole time, I never forgot how to pray in tongues. In fact, Brother Copeland was, came to the hospital to see me, and I don't remember one word he said, but I do remember praying in tongues the entire time he was there. Amen. And so I'm praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings all things to your remembrance. Amen. And I stood there over that motorcycle, and then finally, I, I, I thought, well, if I do this and I do that, then this thing ought to start. And I did this and I did that, and it started. And I went to every motorcycle in my shop, and I started every one of them. The smell of fuel was wonderful. Hallelujah. <laughs> then I went to every classic car, and I started every one of them. And my memory started coming back. My memory started coming back. And I would, I would place demands on my memory. See, faith without works is dead. Amen. Faith without corresponding action is void of power. Amen. And so Amen. Good report. Amen. You know, the things that God has given us, the tools that God has given us, praying in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance everything that the Lord has shown you. Everything that you have learned, he will bring to your remembrance. And uh, I don't know why the motorcycles are the thing that triggered it, but God knows what it is that we need. And he will remain faithful. Everybody say faithful. He will remain faithful to bring about the victory in our life. But if you hear uh, on in another situation, uh, where he's speaking about this same event. He said, I believe that it was my faithfulness over all those years to read the word, to pray in the Holy Spirit, to do the things I knew to do for what God had given me, that that relationship, that love for God that motivated me to do all those things, that's what gave me the breakthrough in that darkest day of not being able to get the victory. Um, I, I've been praying a lot about... Um, God, what is it we need to do now in the church? You know, we've, we've done this for 28 years. We've had times where we had large congregation. We have times where there's not so many. We have people leave, people come, people go. But um, I have a real concern for the generation of young people that are 20 to 35 because they have children, usually in those age groups, and uh, my friends that I talk to in other churches situations, same experiences of uh, there's so many activities for young people today with their families that they're getting so involved that it's not that they don't believe in God, but they're, but they're not active in a community of believers in a church. And, they're, they're, and I, I know this is true because uh, I've been by the sporting arena over on Highway 25, and uh, on Sundays, that place is packed out with automobiles for basketball games, and they have several courts of basketball. Now, I love basketball, and I go there and watch some of the kids play. However, it's becoming, it, the enemy has diverted people's uh, attention, but really what he's diverted is a love for God. And one of those things it says in Second Timothy is there'll be a love for pleasure more than a love for God. And it's not that 
I'm against anybody doing any of those things, but it's the love for God that gives people the victory. It's the love of God that causes a light to be in us that will draw other people to us because the love of God and that relationship with the Lord is what makes our light burn brighter. Moses was so full of the light of God because he spent time in his presence that he had to wear a veil so because people couldn't even look at him he was so bright so when God said to me your light is going out that was really serious to me and uh and and, you know just other things that God has said to me we we're we need to become more faithful in loving God as a church I believe that we can say to the church you need to go witness uh, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. But if we just begin to pray to have a love for God, like he wants us to love him. You know, uh, I, I see there's these books out for young couples, uh, you know, the four four ways, four kinds of love or, you know, four love languages. You need to know people's love languages. Well, we need to know God's love language for the world. And, and when we know that, we'll be able to see what we need to see of people coming from the north, south, east, and west to, to find what they need for their life, which is Jesus. Amen? And uh, so I, I would just encourage you in your own lives to begin to seek God. Uh, there's a scripture, and I can remember, I can tell you where I was. It was during the year I lived in Tulsa when God healed my life. I was uh, house-sitting and taking care of children for a family that was on vacation. And so uh, I was in the closet with a basket full of our clothes that I brought to the house with us. I had my children, John, Matt, and Lori with me, and I was taking care of their two children. And I was in that closet, and I was separating, getting stuff out for kids to wear that day. And I heard this. If you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart. It's in Jeremiah. I didn't know that. I didn't. I don't even think I'd ever read the book of Jeremiah at that point in my life. But I heard that very clearly. When you seek him, you fall in love with him. It's just like, you know, when I was with my husband and I began to date him. Of course, God had given me his name, so I was ready to marry him after the first date. Hallelujah. He wasn't quite ready for me, though, but it's okay. Uh, but, you know, when you are with someone, you get to know them. You love them. And, and I want to pray for you today that that all of you will return to your first love of Jesus when you first got saved, the, of, of how you felt about the, the difference that he made in your life. Uh, when you begin to do that, it changes everything in you to reflect, and you actually can experience that same feeling in your heart of love that he has for you. God loves us. I think sometimes we walk with God so long, so many things happen, we forget that little detail. We just think about, well, where is God? You know, I've been in this thing forever, and he hadn't come up, he hadn't come up here yet. Have you ever felt that way? He hadn't shown up yet. And then we forget that he loves us. If he loves us, he will do what he says he will do. And perfect love casts out all fear. We are in a time where we need to have less fear and know the love of God. Let's stand today. I want to pray for you. And uh, I believe that faithfulness will be what, what, I've be con- be, what I'll be concentrating on my life. Lord, am I being faithful in this place? I heard this word uh, when I was...
preparing this message, a calling is about obedience and sacrifice. A calling is not about uh, doing the right thing. It's about obedience and sacrifice. It is not about winning as we see it. Many of those men and women who God called that are listed in the book of Hebrews and in the Old and New Testament stories had great victories, but also experienced great defeats. Paul experienced some really rough times in his walk. Victory is what God decides victory is victory. Hold your position. Uh, Sometimes the things that we go through, we think we don't have the victory in because we can't see what's coming on beyond that. But what we did caused the victory to happen, but maybe not that day, maybe on down the road. Does that make sense? A decision that we made to do what God told us to do and that it didn't turn out the way we thought it would doesn't mean that you did not win. I'm telling you today, I, I felt like God said, you, just because you don't see the victory the way you see victory does not mean you did not win. Because what happened in that situation down the road, you will be a winner. Even though that didn't look like you won. Are you getting this today? Because it's important. Some, some of you may have stopped and, or left your position. I remember when Pastor Billy Joe in Tulsa, he passed away. Um, and it wasn't expected that he would do that. Uh, church of about 12,000 people. Multitudes of people who were faithful when he died some said well I can't come here anymore because if he's not in the pulpit I just feel so uncomfortable because he's not there so I'm going to have to leave that's not being faithful in the time of greatest need they deserted the ship Uh, people who who felt like why would you put his wife in we need somebody else to lead the church so we're going to leave why'd you Why are you putting his son? He's too young to be doing anything. Uh, We'll just leave. And there were lots of people who left and sent emails about how they didn't like the way things were being done. But they were very faithful when Pastor was there. Very faithful. Some who said, I want to meet with you. Very wealthy people who said, well, we're not going to come here anymore because you're not going to do with the money what we want you to do with the money. Everybody say, that's not faithfulness. That's not faithfulness. Uh, You know, the good news is God is merciful. Even when we're not faithful, remember, he will remain faithful. He still loves us. He'll rescue us. Things are revving up. This is what I heard. The devil is raging because his days are numbered. Godlessness is in a tailspin about to self-destruct. I like that. How many of you like to see godlessness godlessness self-destruct? I believe that there's going to be places where the devil is going to be defeated soundly in front of people, in front of men and women who have believed they know the answer. And, and I felt like God said this to me. But, uh, but the truth, his truth, keeps marching on, and so do you because you're the church. Everybody say, so do I, because I am the church. The church is you. Church is people, just like a nation is people. There are great rewards and, yes, mercy. For those who choose to leave their post. But this was, I believe this is true, but mercy will not remove the disappointment of quitting just before the ultimate victory. Knowing you missed the best. Chris, 
oh, Brian had this, or Chris, her name is Campbell now. She's married to Aaron, and Aaron's job ended quickly. And they're waiting to see what God has. And she posted this. God answers in three ways. He says yes and gives you what you want. He says no and gives you something better. Everybody say hallelujah. No does always mean it's bad. It could mean it's going to get better. And third, he can say wait and give you his best. I'm believing for the best for all the people of this church. Turn to your neighbor and say, we said it. We said it. My best days are right in front of me. But this is, I believe, a requirement God's asking. And I believe he gave me this word. Remain faithful. Everybody say, remain faithful. And return to your first love. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone here today. I thank you, Lord, that as we start another year in this church, that we go from glory to glory. That's what you said. And your glory is not in what we see. It's in what you see. And so we thank you, Lord, for what you have done in this church. I thank you for every person that's standing in this church today that hears my voice. Those that may listen on that uh, DVD or online, that they would know that God's mercy is forever. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. So whatever position you're in today, if you're walking where you know you're supposed to be, then you know, your faithfulness, God will reward your faithfulness, even though it may be difficult right now, even though you may not see what God told you, it, he will remain faithful. He will not desert you. And in this place, remain faithful, remain faithful in that position. Do not desert him because great is his faithfulness and his mercy endures forever. Great is his faithfulness and his mercy endures forever. If that's words for you, lift your hands today because God is going to pour out in your life the courage to continue to stand, the courage to continue to go forward, and he will strengthen you. He will strengthen you. He has not let go of you. He has not let go of his plans. He has not changed his mind. He is a God who said, I change not. And in Jesus' name, those things that he has promised, faithful he has been, faithful he will be, and what God has ordained, you will not miss it. In Jesus' name, all things that pertain to life and godliness belong to you, belong to your family, belong to those you love. And in Jesus' name, the curse has been stopped by the blood of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are liberated to be all God called you to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give God praise for that. Now, just one more thing before we leave. We never close a service. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, right now, you need to lift your hand and say, I need Jesus. Right now. Don't worry about what anybody else will think if that's you. In Jesus' name, because I don't want to go until I'm sure everybody in here is done. If the trumpet sounded, I want there to be a total empty building right now. Okay? Everybody say yes. Amen. Okay, say this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have the ability in Christ to overcome. I love God and I love people. I love myself. In Jesus' name, I am victorious. I have been made to survive, to thrive, and to be all God called me to be. I will not leave this earth without, without fulfilling faithfully 
my job, my position. I will fill it and I will rejoice in it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Go be blessed. God is good.